You're listening to Movers and Shakers, the SailMove podcast on customer experience. SailMove, delivering the in-person customer experience online. To learn more, visit SailMove.com. I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SailMove, and welcome to Movers and Shakers, the podcast that explores the world of customer experience through conversations with the influential business leaders tasked with delighting their customers at each and every opportunity. Today, our CEO, Dan McKelly, will be speaking to Nina Alexander Hurst, the Vice President of Customer Experience and Swap at Bubble Bar. In this episode, we'll talk about the importance of people in creating an outstanding customer experience. We'll also learn how Nina created Bubble Bar's innovative swap program and why she felt the need to reinvent what customer service could be. Finally, we'll learn how to transform a customer service department from a cost center to a revenue generator. Welcome to another episode of Movers and Shakers, the customer experience podcast. Our mission is to find leaders in the world of CX and learn from specific projects that they have carried out in the past or that they are currently working on. Today, our guest is Nina Alexander Hurst. Nina is currently the Vice President of Customer Experience at SWAT at Bubble Bar, and she is responsible for understanding the voice of the customer and developing innovative ways to build a long-lasting customer relationship. Prior to Bubble Bar, Nina was an entrepreneur that having founded two internet businesses where the customer experience was central to their success. And Nina is also a great friend to SailMove, and I am very excited to have her as our guest today. Welcome, Nina. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I figured we would start off with our classic uh, question here. How do you define customer experience? I think that customer experience is from start to finish the journey a customer makes um, throughout a shopping um, expedition, whether it's in person or online, um, what it feels like to walk into a store or to enter a website who's there to help, Um, how are they able to help that customer, you know, the follow-through and the emails after the purchase and um, even post-purchase once that product arrives, what does it look like and what does it look like for the brand as well as the customer? Okay, so throughout the whole life cycle, both both before and after the purchase. Exactly. Okay, and how do you think customer service is linked to customer experience? I think the customer service is a piece of it. Um, I think that in some cases, customer service is a bit more reactive, whereas customer experience is really thinking through uh, the entire journey of the customer and how you can proactively engage with that customer, answer questions that that customer has before they even have the question. Um, I think the relationship building is often more in line with customer experience um, than just customer service. But again, this is customer service and customer experience as I see it. Um, I think in the future, the broader term of customer service will include um, more of this when thinking through the strategy behind customer service, whereas now it's a little bit more transactional um, and helping a customer with one particular problem that they have, a question that they're asking, and just solving that and moving on to the next. Um, I think that the relationship building will continue to be a stronger aspect of customer service to bridge that gap between customer service and customer experience. And do you think that, that, how do you think that that has evolved in your time 
uh, in your current role? Do you think that that's changed uh, your perception of how service and experience tie to each other? I think that my perception has changed also because I did not want to accept customer service as it was when I took the role at Bobble Bar. Um, for me in my own businesses, dealing with customers was a great way to learn about how we were doing, what we needed to do better, and you know, putting a name and a face to the people that we were engaging with and selling to. Um, it's so important. And so when I took on this role at Bobble Bar, I didn't want to create just a regular customer service team that dealt with issues and was very reactive and very transactional. Um, I wanted to create, you know, a team of like highly motivated and excited individuals who wanted to not only engage with customers, but really think through how we can make the experience better for a customer, how we can make sure that the customer knows who we are, uh, mm -hmm. make sure that the customer knows that we are experts in all things jewelry, um, that they can trust our opinion. Because, you know, even just for the sales aspect, you know, a customer is not going to trust our opinion if they have no idea who we are. Um, or like who, why we have this knowledge, you know, customers are expecting call centers. They're expecting people in the, not really attached to headquarters who may or may not have touched the products ever. Um, and who can maybe help with a refund or a shipping issue, right. but you know, they're not going to be able to say, you know, this earring is great for you, or this necklace would be perfect for your girlfriend because, you know, they haven't touched the product. So um, I think that that a shift in the mindset of what customer service can be or customer experience can be is um, like how I think about it every day. And um, I think that's what makes the role really exciting here. Um, and just to watch how customer experience, customer service is evolving is also very exciting because I think it it is much further ahead now than it was five years ago, um, you know, across industries. Excellent. So let's take that. Actually, I'd love to dig in more. And I think that that's a great transition into the project that we'll be covering today. You know, we're going to be talking about how Nina created the SWAT stylist team at Bobble Bar. And it's a very like as, as she was alluding to a very unique take on a contact center. Now, I, I, I personally believe that the, the approach that you took, Nina, it was very groundbreaking. And I think that in five years, it will be the way that businesses think of the, this sort of live touch point with the customers. So is it fair to say that the vision for the SWAT stylist team was really about creating a personality to the customer or to the, that customer touch point or to the contact center? Tell us a little bit. I know you kind of alluded to, alluded to it a little bit earlier, but what was the true, was it, what was the vision for, for SWAT for you when you started? The vision, um, Amy and Daniela, our co-founders, always believed that the customer experience was very important. Um, so I always had very strong supporters. And I think the vision was to create an experience that was comparable, if not better, than um, a shopping experience that you would have in person. So we wanted to take the friction um, out of that online shopping experience and connect with our customers uh, and use technology to make that possible rather than thinking technology was a blocker to building relationships with customers and providing an overall great experience. So giving a personality and a profile to our SWAT stylists 
was certainly a piece of that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like from day one, we were able to give everyone um, a personality the way that it stands now. You know, from the beginning, I was hiring people with really strong communications backgrounds because the team was very small. And, um, but email was one of our largest channels um, and then live chat. And I wanted to make sure that the people that I was hiring were not only problem solvers and really thinking through how they could help the customer, but that they were able to communicate with the customer in a way that was positive and upbeat and grammatically correct. And, um, you know, it, it's important to be a really great writer um, in order to be successful in this role. So that was number one. And even from this start, you know, before we had all of the social media accounts set up, which I know we'll talk about. Um, our email content was very rich. We're not depending on macros and automated responses. Um, you know, we were looking at the email from the customer and figuring out ways to connect with that customer, whether it was based on where they're from or talking about an item that they got that we're also wearing and loving. It's like, how can we connect with that customer in a way there where that customer knows that like we genuinely care and we're a real person and um and you know we we have this product knowledge so that just carried through into every test that we did um as the team grew we were able to do more and more and mm-hmm. um and figure out how we could evolve this this vision and it's a very it's a very exciting vision and i think that i I'd, I'd be very curious to hear sort of you get you get this blank slate you have you're afforded with a very interesting opportunity to sort of reconceptualize what customer service and customer experience is kind of what's the first thing that you do you know cuz you you want to create this uh these sorts of in, or you want to leverage technology to actually uh be a an asset to the experience rather than a liability how what how do you get started? What's the first thing that you did? I think hiring is the most important thing because I strongly believe that it's the people behind the technology that make the difference. So, you know, even with video chat with SailMove, if I don't have the right people behind that screen, it doesn't matter what technology I'm using. So I really do believe that it comes down to the people and hiring is, you know, one of the most important aspects. Also, I would not have been able to build out as much as I did without a team of highly motivated and sharp thinkers who are excited about innovating and trying new things and, you know, failing and trying other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a huge part of it. So I think that that hiring is most certainly the first thing because even to say like, okay, this, I know we'll, I'll just throw it out there now, but at this time, all of our SWAT stylists, after they've been on the team for a while, they get an Instagram account and we photograph all of the jewelry that's going live on site. And we're also able to show our lives in New York City where we're going to brunch, our favorite spot in the city. Um, And so when customers see these profiles, they know who we are. We can't build out those profiles until we prove that um, that we are actually a team of SWAT stylists. SWAT stands for Service with Accessorizing Talent. Like we need to have the right people in the roles, the people who are excited about Bobble Bar and excited about the jewelry that we're selling, people who wear it, people who live it, who really um, love it, uh, and who are such great communicators that when they're writing captions and they're responding to customers, we don't have to worry about that content. Right, um, that's super you important. Know, it's easy to say so-and-so is a stylist or, 
Amuse or, you know, whatever other language companies are using that customers need to understand why they're using, you know, that title. Um, it's yeah. easy to say you're a stylist, but it's, you have to then be able to give the recommendations and show that, you know, you you actually care about the fashion behind it, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I think I want to come back to the the Instagram accounts, because I definitely want to dig into that more uh, from a tactical standpoint, sort of what are the the approaches that you've taken there, the results that you've seen and so forth. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting is how the Instagram accounts are not necessarily given to the SWAT stylists when they start, right? They sort of earn it. And, and, to, and to that, and in sort of in that vein, how do you maximize the retention and, and sort of promise a career path to the stylist? Sometimes it's you know, being in a service in a contact service role or sort of in a customer service role can be perceived as a little bit monotonous. And there's there's sort of like a a, um, a different perception of that kind of role. And I think you've done a fantastic job in rebranding and creating a, a, a very interesting path for the stylists themselves. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I strongly believe in the career path um, of someone who's chosen customer experience. I think five, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the idea of a career in customer service looked so much different um, than it can look today. Um, and part of that is making sure that there that there is a path, there's room for growth, and that people are really, truly challenged. So the reason that we wait to give the Instagram account is because we want to make sure that um, the SWAT stylist has a really great grasp of everything else, like policies, procedures, um, email communication with customers, and then live chat. Like We want to make sure that they understand things through and through. And once they are a veteran, then they get more responsibility. And, and one of the um, next steps um, is to get that Instagram account. Um, but is it also which, perceived as, sorry to interrupt you, but is, is it also kind of a reward to, to in, in terms of going through that process and becoming familiarized with all of those moving pieces? Because it is it, a bit of a reward yeah. because there's aspects of the day that change um, once you have that account. So we do... Um, street style photo shoots to photograph all of this jewelry. And we actually used to do it with our creative team. Um, but Isabel, one of the managers on, on my team went for um, photography training and now she does all of these street style shoots with everyone on the team. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So like even leaving your desk to go do a photo shoot outside and have these beautiful photos of yourself that you're then posting on Instagram um, and then you're also able, what another great aspect, so these photos live on our product pages, and it really helps with conversion. Um, it lives with the UGC, the user-generated content as well. So the, it's a mix of photos from our customers and photos from SWAT. But right when a product launches, um, obviously we don't have those customer photos. So being able to put those photos on product pages at the time of launch really truly helps with conversion um, and mm -hmm. some of our uh, inventory turns over so quickly that um, you know by the time a customer receives something it might be sold out so wow. another reason why we don't just want to wait for customers to be posting photos it also means that when we're talking to customers whether we're chatting with them or emailing with them and we're making product suggestions um, we can say you know, here are these earrings that we think that I think you would love. And um, I can link you to a picture on the product page of me wearing those earrings. 
and then say, you know, I wore them for this and this event. This is how heavy they are. This is why I think you'll like them. And now you immediately know who I am and you trust the advice I'm giving because you can see that I'm actually wearing the product, that I've touched it, that I know about it. Um, so, you know, it, it changes the type of interactions that you can have with customers, um, which yeah, and, is also I- really great. And I would argue that it's, it goes back to your original point about how you can actually use technology to even go beyond what you could really do in person. Because those types of interactions, you know, it, it, they really create a very personal connection with the stylist that otherwise would take, you know, many, many years uh, to, to build if they were in the physical world. I mean, it, you know, it, having, having them express sort of, sort of, communicate with the customer what the what their tastes are and being able to have that connection in that and in that way is is really unique and it's an example of how technology can be used to go beyond what, what what's possible in a physical retail location definitely definitely and that's why you know we don't necessarily give a timeline to when you get that instagram account it's you know around six months to a year depending on how quickly you know the swat stylist is growing and the team because um, we do want them to have it, and we want them to have the experience of, you know, photographing all of the jewelry, and then also being able to have these, in, you know, in- engagements with customers and send these photos around. And also, you know, we're putting handwritten notes in boxes after um, engaging with the customer and putting our Instagram handles on those notes. So customers are receiving their orders and they're tagging us, and we're, you know going to comment on the photo and continue that conversation. So the yeah, Instagram accounts cycle. like, right. And the more conversation we can have, the better, but it's one example of um, something that's added on as you progress on the SWAT team. But depending, I, I'm a firm believer. If you, if you have an idea and you can back it up as to why it is going to be great for bobble bar, great for our customers, that, and you really want to go after it, then I will support you. So I'm encouraging people on the team to come to me with ideas um, and projects that they want to work on and running with them. So, you know, like we'll make YouTube videos for customers. Um, mm-hmm. The content is specific enough for the customer who's asking the question, but broad enough that other people can get something out of it. And one of our team leads, Jillian, is really excited about video, and so she manages that project. And now that we're doing more with Snapchat, she's also taken on that role and um, is our, you know, key liaison with the social team and doing and taking over the Bobble Bar Snapchat and Instagram Stories account, whereas, yeah. you know, someone else on the team is in charge of hiring and training. So whatever right. people are interested in, um, they sort of own that piece of the SWAT business and um, they're able to learn and grow and, you know, engage with other teams because we also have this feedback loop with other teams. So there's so many opportunities to grow within the team that, you know, we haven't really had uh, an issue with turnover because there's always something else to do. It doesn't get stale. It's not right, just involving, answering phone calls yeah. all day. You're involving them in this. You're you're helping them. They they help you author the 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 sort of the story that is the SWAT team, right? So that that's that's fantastic. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to actually, and you know, by the way, I think that also that all of those efforts kind of create this really unique authenticity 
to the team too, which I think is really interesting, right? Because it, it, it makes it, it makes you feel like sometimes there's a barrier when it comes to interacting with a business and it really puts a face to the business to be able to, to see them on all of these different channels. So kudos to you. Cause I think that's, that's very unique and, and really, uh, I think I can, I can, I can imagine that you've seen great results from that too, which I'd love to talk about a little bit later. The other thing that I wanted to ask was, you know, you mentioned briefly that contact centers or the, the perception there was a negativity, right, towards what it was to have a, a role in that in customer service. Why do you think that there was a why do you think that contact centers or this type of or in general customer experience has sort of gotten a bad rap in the past? And what has what has led it to change in your mind? Um. I don't know. We could probably start with the idea of a contact center. Um, it, it does give you this idea that it's a building who knows where and what country with people with headsets on um, just taking calls and it's uh, a way to inexpensively service customers. And like that's, I mean, I, I believe that that's why so much of these um, customer service moves offshore is it to cost cut, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now, um, especially in New York, like I would never use the term contact center because uh, I, I don't believe that that's what this is. Like, we're sitting in our headquarters, um, which I think is true of a, a lot of companies um, in New York and outside of New York too. Um, and I think as the terminology changes, people are willing to see the team in a different light. Um, you know, when you talk about a contact center or a call center, it is hard to think of anything other than like customer service of the past. Um, whereas when you think of um, a customer experience team with a growth potential and interaction with other teams at the company, and exposure to how a business is run, mm -hmm. it's a much different thing. Um, it, it does take on, um, I think, a whole new meaning for what, what that career can be. But, you know, the second you take any team and split it off uh, from the rest of the company, it's a little harder, I think, to be upwardly mobile within that company. So, right. and, and me, I think it's it, important avoiding here. Yeah, it's an avoiding. It's avoiding turning the the team into a, a cost center, basically. You know, exactly. and thinking thinking about it as an asset, truly. Right, which I do believe that it is. A, I always say that it, you know I do not want to be a cost center for Bar. I want to be a revenue generating center, which is why we are tracking our sales. Um, and it's so important to me to be able to be able to show that you know sales are coming out of this team. There's a ton of value here. Aside from um, the feedback loop with the rest of the company and the meetings that we're holding on a weekly basis with other teams at Bobble Bar, um, we're making sure that our interactions are not just transactional. A customer might need help with the return, but we are also then making sure to build that relationship so that by the end of that, um, uh, whether it's by the end of the call or the emails back and forth, we are now able to start suggesting products to that customer that they are going to like better than what they um, what they needed to return or whatever their first issue was, whether it's a promo code that's not working, you know, we're now saying, okay, you, we're going to help you with this promo code and I see 
these are the things you're ordering, but like, did you look at these other four items that are really fantastic? Let me tell you why they're fantastic. And you might want to give those a try too. Right. It's creating, it's creating a loyal customer also, right? I mean, these are people, once you, once you have those sorts of interactions, people are going to, people are going to come back, you know? And, and you know what, I, I think that in sort of going back to what you said about being revenue generating, can we talk a little bit about that? How do you how do you look at the results? How do you how do you gauge what's working, what's not with the whether it be with the Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat or uh, or any of your other initiatives? What are you what is it that you are looking at to determine if something is working and how do you iterate uh, after you make that determination? Um it sort of depends on the project and what we're testing. Um, I think video chat is a great example. Um, I was always a strong believer in video. Uh, when I started five years ago, I would say that video technology was much further behind than I expected it to be. Um, and it's also just hard to throw things up on site. Um, so in order to do the video test, the first thing that um, I did was gather a list of 20 customers, some people, had placed multiple orders. Uh, Some people actually on the list hadn't placed orders yet. Some people had placed orders that hadn't been back in a while. Um, It was truly a solid mix and did 20 video chat sessions with those customers. Um, They briefly gave me an idea of what they like, and they chose whether they wanted to engage on Google Hangouts or Skype um, or FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And after those sessions, 19 out of the 20 customers had converted, and it was three times... uh, the site average, um, the like site the average order value. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a really great test. It went well, and it gave me. And also, anecdotally, the since we sent out a survey afterwards, um, it was so positive. The customers were saying um, it was so fun to shop with someone else. That the items that they ordered, they truly love, and they wouldn't have picked out for themselves. They wanted to do it with friends. Um, it was clear that the customers were excited and enjoyed the experience and wanted to do it again. So at that point, um, you know, we still, the technology wasn't there to just throw it up on site, but um, we put uh, an appointment form on site so that customers could book appointments with us, but still not the most ideal way to do it. Just, I think that uh, working for a startup, like you have to be savvy and scrappy and really good at figuring out how to accomplish what you want to accomplish without you know, all of the tech support or um, without the technology being where you want it to be, how can you start to get closer to where you want to be? So we put the appointment form on site until, you know, there was a video technology that that was ready and that we thought was going to be a good experience. So in that case, the numbers, the numbers proved everything that we needed it to prove. Um, there are some other tests that I do that I'm not just looking at the numbers, I'm looking at the sentiment, and also I'm looking at the value of that project for the team. Mm-hmm. Like YouTube videos, for example, the conversion on those is pretty high, but the other reason that I really believe in creating these YouTube videos is it sets people up for video engagement. It, it helps people, it helps these swap stylists talk about the jewelry and get excited about it. Um, and you know, then we're able to put them on Snapchat and know that you know, they have experience talking about things or, you know, we can do a Facebook Live right, and like we, we know what we're doing. Exactly. So right. it's good practice and the customer gets something out of it. Um, and so 
you know, even if the, um, like, you know, we're not making a hundred YouTube videos a week. So the sales coming out of the YouTube videos aren't necessarily substantial, but there's, but there are sales coming out of it and there's other value coming out of that project as well. So it's not always just looking at the sales. Some of it is the training and the value for the team and the value for the customers. Right. It's assessing sort of from a qualitative aspect as well, which I think is, you know, that's very smart of you to do, do that too. Uh, so how, so, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, customer expectations. So there's a lot of, uh, CX literature out there that talks about, you know, that maybe it's not really about delighting the customer. Maybe it's about focusing on really just being very lowering the effort that the customer has to go through to do certain things and just be, being very good at a core set of, of interactions that you're having with the customer. So I, I I think that that that's that may be true, but into a to a degree, there's also you know customer expectations today are so high, right? There's it, it, I think that the bar is set so high. How do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the what is your perception of the customer expectations? I guess both that your customers have as well as customers in general. I think in general, customer expectation is high. Mm. It's also really low. I think that people, I think the bar has been set so low that um, while the expectation might be high, I think more often than not, um, when, in, you know, starting a live chat or calling um, like a really large company, you're sort of bracing for a frustrating experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know personally that that I am and I don't just mean when I'm calling an airline or the cable company. Um, but especially at this time of year when teams are quickly trying to staff up, the training might not be as great. And, um, you know, there, there are frustrating experience. So I think that the positive thing is that it's, it's a little easier to surprise and delight the customer because they are ready for the worst. Like the number of interactions, right that start in such a negative place where the email or the live chat, the customer is so angry. And then once they realize they're talking to someone who's going to help them, um, they're the way that they're engaging with us completely changes. Like they relax um, and they realize it's actually going to be an enjoyable experience and not a really frustrating experience. It is so incredibly rare that a customer would ask for a supervisor, like so rare. Um, because we're giving these customers a really, really positive experience. We're not giving them a reason that they would need to, you know, ask for someone at another level. So yeah. I think that is um, sort of works in our favor. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know that that's a good thing, though. Yeah, I know. I guess it's it's from a customer standpoint, you know, having to, you know, minimizing the effort or like you say, the bar is very low. So I'm just happy. A lot of ca- uh, customers are just happy having an effortless kind of uh, experience going through the, the 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 process, whether it be calling the cable company or or calling the airline. It's like, wow, I didn't have to go through such pain, you know. So the the bar is low, um, and and it 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 is interesting. I think that the bar is low for a standard experience, but for a, to, to dazzle somebody, I do think that it is still a high bar. Like it, there is, you know, especially because today we have the, the, the way that 
we have such great products and such great experiences post-purchase that it is to a degree difficult sometimes to dazzle and really take it to another level. So it's funny how that works. It kind of cuts both ways. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about that human interaction. And I, in training my team, I always tell them that you want to treat these interactions similar to like a conversation that you would have with a friend or a family member. You want to treat people with the same level of respect more often than not. Um, you know, a customer just wants to be heard. They want to feel like they're valued. And if you can make a customer feel valued, um, then the interaction is going to go really well. Like at the end of the day, human interactions are the same regardless of if it's about, you know, an online purchase or whatever it is, it's still at the, at the core a human interaction. I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. No, I'm making it real, you know, making it, making it authentic as we were talking about before, giving it personality and breathing life into it. I think it's a, it's a huge, huge asset. Yeah, and I I will say that what's a little unusual is when customers are going on Twitter or Facebook to talk about the experience they had with a SWAT stylist, more often than not, they're mentioning that SWAT stylist by name. Like, we are not an anonymous team of people. Um, I think frequently when I engage with other customer service teams, like, even a minute after the interaction, I could not tell you the name of the person that I engaged with. I, I don't know what they look like, and I'm fairly confident that I will never speak to that person again. Um, whereas um, on this team, like we try to reroute customers back to the same person. We have customers mm-hmm. asking to speak to the same person. Um, and so you can really, you know, bet- between the YouTube videos or the Instagram photos that we're sharing with customers, um, by the end of an interaction, like they really do know who we are. Um, and the conversations that I hear between the swap stylists and customers, are just, they're really awesome and fun. And um, you can see that the customers are really engaged. Absolutely. Well, congrats to you, because I think that that's a, it's a very unique thing to have accomplished. So, and especially within the digital realm. So uh, very impressive. And I have one question, one last question before we move on to our kind of lightning questions here. Um, I'd love to learn, how do you think that these practices apply to other industries? Is this, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, is very relevant to a retail scenario, but is there a difference when the product is a physical product versus a digital product? What what lessons can you give to our listeners to take away uh, from your experience in building SWAT that may not be in the retail segment? Um, when you talk about software, though, software sales or what kind of software? Well, I meant more, let's say, like in the financial products or in other industries where the product is not necessarily something tangible, something that I can hold in my hand. Is that Does that make a difference even? Maybe it doesn't. But yeah. I guess in general, looking outside sort of uh, retail, uh, is there is there what are the practices that we can take away or what, what advice can you give to other people that are trying to implement some of these approaches in their own business? I think it's very important to put um, to put a face behind the team, uh, to take the anonymity away from these interactions uh, with customers. I don't think it necessarily matters if you're selling a service or a product. Um, I think I I still think it comes down to this basic human interaction that customers people, everyone just wants to be valued and listened to and um, 
and to know who they're talking to. So I think that it really does apply to um, to every sector. Um, I think that the way that we engage with customers should continue to be improved upon. And um, and this idea of a contact center does need to be adjusted a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that when you have a team of people who are really excited about what they're doing um, and motivated and challenged, like the, the customer feels that too. The customers that are engaging with the SWAT stylist, they, they know that these um, that these women are excited about their jobs and that they love what they do. Right, the passion uh, it, comes through. Right, it really does. So I think that that's true. Uh, you know, no matter no matter what you're selling, like if you're engaging with a customer, uh, you want that customer to know who you are. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're behind a phone or behind a live chat. Like you, there should still be ways of um, putting that human piece of things back into the experience. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I think that we should call it maybe, maybe we should go with the term engagement center, right? Because at the end of the day, that's, that it doesn't matter what the method of communication is. What matters is that we're engaging with the customer and recreating that experience of being in person, being face-to-face and humanizing the whole thing. So, um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Nina. Um, so I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. I have a couple of more questions. Uh, so how important do you think that the customer experience is to an organization? Oh, I think it's hugely important. Um, the, you know, the customer experience team, the customer service team, like we are the front lines. Um, other teams in the company might have, you know, profiles for customers, like they fall into four different buckets or ideas of what users want um, and they might, you know, do user groups and whatever else, but they're not talking to the customer day in and day out. Uh, and so I think that the customer experience teams have some of the most important data amongst anyone at a company. And the question is, are they sitting on it or are they using it to make that company better and to constantly improve? And ideally, they're using that data to um, push the, to push the company to, to be better every single day. Um, you know, we're talking about the customer engagement side of things, um, but on the other side, uh, like the tracking that we're doing of all of these interactions and the feedback that we're passing along um, and mixing the quantitative and the qualitative to really have an impact, um, I think is extremely important. Um, so as an example, you know, every week we put together a report of products that um, might be problematic for customers and we sit down with our uh, design team and our sourcing team and our merchandising team to talk about these products. And we do it in a way that um, we know that will have an impact. So it's a mixture of numbers and um, the data and the percent and then also pictures. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to say this percentage of, um, pro- you know, this percentage of customers that this ring was fitting smaller than usual. And then, you know, like you show photos of things and the design team is like, oh, okay, I get it. We know how to fix that. Um, all we needed was the photo. Whereas, right. you know, the merchandising team might react to numbers. So figuring out ways to take that, the data that the customer experience team is sitting on and like be very impactful with it. Um, you know, Across a whole organization. Really yeah. 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 
So yeah. it might be, you know, sitting and working on future designs. It might be um, adjusting return reason codes to better capture what customers are saying. Um, and, you know, as we engage with customers about returns and we're applying these return reason codes also, sometimes we see, like, we launch a new product and, oh, we don't actually have the exact code necessary to figure out why people are returning this item. So let's update that um, and let's work with the tech team and the operations team to adjust invoices and the back end and to make sure that we can actually move forward um, with uh, some of these launches. So I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons why a customer experience team is important. Um, and I think as the, the idea of customer experience evolves, um, it'll be more common for teams to be doing all of these things. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And so let's, you know, my last question to you, and, and this is actually an interesting question because you, um, you're doing so many of the forward thinking aspects that I, or so, so, so much of those forward thinking initiatives uh, in terms of in the realm of customer experience that I, I think it's interesting. It would be interesting to hear what you think is the future of customer experience. What does that look like to you? Um, that is a very good question, especially because people keep bringing up the ideas, uh, the idea of bots um, and how bots are going to take over. Um, I still strongly believe that it's the people behind the technology that really makes a difference. Um, but I think that the technology is going to help improve upon all aspects of these interactions um, so that they're even more impactful. and. Um, all of the personalization that we're talking about from like an algorithmic standpoint, I think is going to also apply to these teams. The more these teams are thought of as um, the new generating centers, the more support they'll be given and the more, um, the more data they'll have access to, um, which means that the interactions with customers will be that much stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think, I hope that there's going to be even more investment made um, in the customer-facing teams at companies because um, I'm fairly confident that the return on that investment is going to be very impactful. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's a, I think it's a hybrid, as you say. It's a hybrid of strong technology and very strong people, and I think it ties back to your vision ultimately, right? Like, which is similar to our vision at SailMove, sort of meeting or exceeding what you can do in person within the digital realm and, and using technology to actually go beyond what you can do in person, you know? So I think that that's kind of the continuation. It's, it's a continuation of that in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, so. I agree completely. All righty. Well, thank you, Nina, so, so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was incredibly interesting to hear about SWAT, and I hope that you come back and visit us again very, very soon. And to all of you listening, uh, keep making moves. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers, the Sail Move podcast on customer experience. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To learn how SailMove enables companies to provide an in-person customer experience online, please visit SailMove.com.